let's be honest, isn't there a little too much truth in that video? Because most of us in this room, when it comes to money, it's when we see craziness happen. Isn't it? I mean, if you get it and you got it, Typically, we don't know how to handle it all that great. And how many of you thought when you've seen a celebrity or a famous athlete get a lot of money and they blow it, and you thought, if I had it, I would do it differently? Be honest. Now, here's the reality. None of us know how we would actually handle it if we had $100 million in our savings. We think we would, but let me just tell you, when you got a lot of people knocking at your door, asking for things, and you think, well, I've got $100 million, I can blow 10 and then next thing you know, it's, you know. And it's funny because money, um, I remember, did you, any of you ever, this is some of you, I'm going to date myself a whole bunch. Did any of you ever see the movie called Mr. Mom? Okay, in the movie, dad is laid off, and his mom, and mom decides to go back to work until dad gets reemployed by the auto industry. And so he bets his wife um, that he'll get a job quicker than she will. And so they've got two boys, and he, they look at the boys, and they, they make a $100 bet. And so they're, they're arguing about this, we shouldn't be betting, and all this kind of stuff. And dad goes, Michael Keaton is the father, and he goes, $100, whoever gets a job first, you get the $100. And so he starts to hand the money to one of his boys, and, his, and the older boy goes, no, don't hand into the money to him, Dad. He does crazy things with the money. And so he takes the money, which is kind of funny. We started this uh, last week, thank you, Brad, for getting us launched, that, you know, money, we talk about being rich, that we already are, but we don't live like that. We, we tend to think, I just need a little bit more if I had this, if I was about that, if I just, one more thing, one more thing, if I just had a little bit more in my bank account, if I just, if I just, if I just. And so when you see a funny video about like my money, you think um, that there's, uh, that's somebody else, that's not me. Uh, Andy Stanley said this about as well as I've heard anybody say. He says, rich is the other guy. Rich is that other family. Rich isn't having extra. Rich is having as much extra as the person who has more extra than you do. Rich is having more than you currently have. And I think that for all of us, regardless of your season of life, you just think, if I had a little bit more, I'll retire when my, when my, my retirement number has this. You, you kind of go through all of this. You kind of think, if I just, if I just, if I just, if I just... Um, you know, it's funny because my father-in-law, who's been retired for a lot of years, uh, he, I remember him telling me quite a few years ago, he said that and he chooses to work now just because he likes aviation, but he doesn't have to work. And he said, Danny, he said a lot of people, the reason that they're working into their 70s and 80s is because they spent and they didn't change anything. Not everybody. I realize seasons change, but he said a lot of people work because they never prepared for when they were 75 or 80. And they kept spending and they kept living like they were in their 20s. And they never adjusted to that. And he was talking about that, that there, he sees a lot of guys his age who are still working full-time jobs because they'd never adjusted their lifestyle as they got older. It's like, you're still acquiring stuff. You're still adding. You're still, it's like enough is enough. How many of you have ever experienced that moment where you got some money and you thought the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to spend it. Let's be honest. 
It was burning a hole in your pocket. Right? It's funny. Immediately you start looking at the person to your left or to your right. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. You're like, mm -hmm, you, you hear what he's saying? Um, when I was a kid, my, my sister, who's three, Donna's three years younger than me, and she had a birthday. I think I was about 12. And um, I don't think they make these anymore, but they might. Do you remember the cards where you could put coins in them? Do they still make those? They do? I, I, I remember she got one, and it, was, it, had, uh, it had quarters in it. And it was, you know, just kind of filled in. And as the older brother, I saw it sitting on the TV. It had happy birthday, Donna, on I think about, I think about $3 in there, maybe $4 and quarters, something to that regard. And so it's sitting on the, on the TV thing, and I think to myself, I, what is she going to do with $3? I know what to do with $3. The video arcades are calling my name <laughs> right down here at the youth center. And so I've talked about this before. Typically, when you're going to sin, you kind of walk by it a few times. So you don't just do it. You kind of you look at it. You go, you kind of like the Adam and Eve story. You kind of look at that and you kind of justify it. And I remember that she it's just sat there. And I thought, she's not going to do anything with it because it's still sitting there. She had just opened it, by the way. So let's be, it wasn't like it was sitting there for a month. It, it, was, it was the day of her birthday. And and so, after I passed by it a few times, I thought, I, I justified in my head that she wasn't going to do anything valuable with that money. She didn't even need that money. Her older brother needs it more. So I walk over to her birthday card, her birthday card, not mine, and I went, beep, 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 beep. I took the, the coins, and I remember, I remember that I had them all in my hands, and I was, I was shaking them like this like a ringer at the Salvation Army people, okay? It sounded like that. So I'm, I'm doing like this, and mom walks around into, from the kitchen into the living room, and she's like, um, where is your sister's money? You know, at that point, you really can't lie, because not only her she heard the jingling, but it's sitting in my hand. Um, and needless to say, I got uh, my bell rung by my mother. Um, and so I felt a bit like Wiley e. Coyote putting it back. You know, I, I put the quarters back, but money does crazy things to us. It, 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 sometimes we lose judgment. We're, we, either, we, we tend to get either too stingy with it, or we tend to be... Um, we just, it's burning a hole in my pocket. I'm just going to go spend it. I just need to. It, it's got to go somewhere. And so we, we, we're talking about this whole thing because I really want to help us understand that, that what God has given you, and let me help you out. Let me say that again. What God has given you, He's given you the ability to earn it. He's given you the smarts, the work ethic, the education, whatever it is to earn an income. And so I want <clears throat> to... The theme about today is your part matters. Your part matters. So you can't say, well, I don't give that much. I don't, you know, what, what, what's, what's, my, what's my little part going to do? Well, I'm going to show you here in just a second. Okay? If you ever wondered, I'm going to give you kind of a bulletproof, bullets here real quick. A tenth 
means a tenth of your income. And this is not a, the word tithe is a tenth. Actually, it's derived from that. And when you get over, Micah says that, and it's funny because people, people pick out Micah, but the Bible is actually jam-packed full about giving and tithing. It's not just a couple of verses, okay? And Micah speaks to that, and he says that give a tenth of your income. He says that, you know, you need to decide that you're going to give and be a part of that. He also talks about that what you've got, you need to... You, it's funny because God said, give me 10, but steward the 90. Give me 10, but steward the 92. You just don't get to do with it wherever you want. And that we honor God with the 90. You know, that how we live with that is important. That what God is asking you to do, He, he gives you clear boundaries. like... Give me 10, start with 10, because it's interesting, because people say, well, they don't really say it in the New Testament. Well, let me break your bubble on that one, because the Bible in the, Old, in the New Testament says give generously. It actually says give more than a tenth. Be generous. And here's what I found about people, kind of two tracks. People who tell me I can't afford to give right now, really, really, more often than not are saying is, I can't afford to give and still do the things I want to do. Most people who don't want to tithe don't want to give up a lifestyle or things to say, oh God, you know, my stuff's not going to matter. And the other thing I found with people is that serving doesn't substitute giving. They go together. They go together. And Brad said this last week, and this is still true today, tithing is an act of worship. Tithing is an act of worship. We're called to do it, and when, depending on how you see the offering plate, on, when it comes at the end of the service, do you, oh, here's the offering plate. Yeah, they're always wanting money. Um, it's an act of worship. Always has been, always will be. That hasn't changed. It's an act of worship. It's a way of saying, God, I have the ability to earn an income. I have steward whatever it is, and I'm honoring you with it. And I want to say, it's a way of saying, thank you, God, that I get to do this. I get to give back to you. And so, I know for some of you go, yeah, the pastor, you're supposed to say that. Well, I want to give you another person that isn't one of our pastors, and he's going to come up and talk about it because he's a married man. I'm going to ask Ben to come up. Where are you, Ben? There he is. Ben, come up here. I'm going to move this chair around over here. If you don't know, this is Ben McKinney. Everybody say hi, Ben. And I, I thought it important because what I wanted to do was I'm supposed to say it, First off, I say it because I believe it. I also know the importance of it because it's valuable. But I thought for you to hear from somebody else, um, and this is, he isn't getting paid. I mean, I was not, he's doing this because I know that he values it. So what I've asked Ben to do is to kind of tell you his journey of to tithing and why he tithes and all that. So Ben, talk to us. Tell us about your journey about tithing. Yeah, um, Seems like a lifetime ago, Danielle and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and the church we went to, um, I remember uh, the associate pastor talking to me about about tithing, and and he said the reason why he did it was he really wanted, you know, a foundation, a a reason to safeguard his heart against just wanting wealth. And so he, you know, to me that really clicked because I I really feel like I need something, you know, tangible um, to safeguard my heart to say, hey, I, I don't. I'm not controlled by this. This, you know, I'm not controlled by wealth and uh, by by uh, money because I'm gonna hold it with with a loose hand, with an open hand. So, um, 
And, and I think, you know, the importance of tithing and, um, to me is like two, two reasons. Um, I, you know, I don't feel like the God of the universe that created everything out of nothing uh, really needs my money. But I think he, he, he allows us to have uh, two things. He wants our heart, um, you know, because he knows that our money is a way to the, our heart. And the Bible says that. And um, I really feel like um, he, he's saying this is a way we can trust him and say that he's going to take care of us. And we're not taking care of ourselves. He's going to take care of us. And it's just one tangible way um, that we can do that. And, and I think the second thing is that I think he wants us to feel invested in the local church. Um, because you care about the things that you're invested in. Um, you know, no one looks at the stock market unless they have got money in it. Um, no one looks at corn prices unless they're looking to sell corn. Um, so I think it's the same with, with our, our wealth, um, if, you know, in the local church. In the, to me, you know, behind uh, marriage and family, the, the church is the greatest institution. So we get to be a part of that. And it's, to me, just one small way where we can, um, we can be invested in it and we can care about it and we can watch it build and watch God's kingdom build. So that's, that's kind of my journey. <laughs> so how long have you guys been on that journey to, to tithing? Have you... I guess most of our married life, so probably about you know fifteen years or so, something like that. And God has provided. I mean, you've got five kids, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I've never, I've never felt like I've, I, um, I've been in want. You know, I got God has always provided for us. Um, and yeah, sometimes the lifestyle is different than what I want it to be. And you know, I can look at the money uh, and say, hey, maybe. What about that? You know, maybe I could, my lifestyle could be different. But again, I, I think it's something that we should sacrifice. You know, the, the lifestyle uh, sometimes. I like what he said just about that. You know, when you when you when you're not giving, you tend to clinch it a little tighter. You tend to clinch it a little tighter, and I think there's some wisdom in that because if it's if your hands open, because then it realizes that it came to me and it, it easily can go away. Any other wisdom? That's tremendous wisdom, Ben. I just, I've, you know, I think that spot on from what your, your pastor said all those years ago. And for you guys have been on that journey for this time. So if for you, it's an act of worship, but it's, but it's, you don't see it as, oh, I'm missing this. I'm look, look, I could be going doing. Yeah. I don't feel like it's a, like an obligation anymore. I feel like it's something I enjoy doing. Um, and it's, again, I think it's the thing that God allows us to do. We, we get to be a part. Uh, and so that's what that's what way I see it, too. <laughs> That'll preach. Thank right, you, Ben. Right, Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. He was not paid. He was not coached. I just wanted you to hear from somebody else beyond me that thinks that it's worth doing. And, and here's the thing. A lot of you do. A lot of you do. Okay? A lot of you do. But man, I'll tell you what, if everybody did their part, first off, God's going to honor you because it's a, it's a level of faith, but just to think about just other things that we don't, we don't think about that we, we could add to the kingdom of God and see what God wants to do. So if you got your Bibles, go to John chapter 6. And as you're going there, I want to go back and read to you what Micah Malachi said in John uh, 3.10, he says, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that we may the, may, may the house, the food in our house, and thereby 
put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, that I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you blessings until there is no more need. Now, this isn't a prosperity thing, but God is wanting to demonstrate, as Ben talked about, that God meets needs, but you've got to put yourself in a position to be need, to, for him to meet needs. Because if you're always thinking, well, God, you don't really understand how this financial thing works. Um, actually, he does. Um, he actually does. He really does. And I'll, I'll echo what, what Brad said a little bit ago. Some of you need to swallow your pride and take financial peace. You, you, if the number of people, and I'm going to guess the tip of the iceberg in the last series we did about throne was money and the worrying of money. What if you got financially well? That you had breathing room, that you had margin, that you actually could be generous with what God's entrusted to you. What if you did? Swallow your pride and, and go to this thing. I mean, what if you went for it to help somebody else? That's good too. That's good too. Man, what if you went for it and just the knowledge of you could help your kids or your grandkids or a neighbor and you said, I got this knowledge, I'll help you with it. I'll, what if you invited somebody with you and said, I'll go with you. We'll do it together. It's worth doing. And I encourage you to think, okay, I need to do this. Well, this story will be familiar to you. And I, and I, and I really want to take the angle that your part matters because it's a story, but I really did some digging and I thought, man, there's some things here I've never even caught before. I've never caught this before. And so starting in verse one, Jesus is with his disciples and little context here. You've got a lot of people following Jesus around because they're getting stuff. He's either healing casting out demons, feeding, teaching, but they're primarily following him for the things they can get, not the spiritual things per se. And so verse 1 says this, says, after this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where the sea to, to, which, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on a mountain there, and he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting his eyes then, and seeing the large crowd was coming toward him. I want to stop there for just a second. One of the cool things about tithing is seeing what God can do with it. Seeing what God can do with it. Instead of saying, oh, man, I could be doing, seeing what God can do with it. Seeing that God can do some things that your part in it mattered. Seeing that collectively we can do things. Seeing. See, Jesus sees and he's asking us to see. Not to see, oh, I, 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 man, I, that could be my bank. I could, that'll, that Danny, that'll help me retire earlier. Seeing is important when it comes to tithing. Seeing that God's got something that he wants you to be a part of that's bigger than yourself. And Jesus saw people. That was one of Jesus' great things. It said, seeing the crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He's, um, Philip's like, um, yikes, here we go. And he said, he, said to the, he said this as a test for he himself knew what he would do. Philip said to him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of these to get a little. Jesus is looking out at the masses. In Scripture, typically they, they emphasize 
they just, when they counted, they said men, but their wives and their children were there first. So when you think of a story about 5,000, it was probably closer to eight or ten, nine, maybe even 10,000. Okay? And so you see this mass, and Jesus is always in the business of teaching, always in the business of showing you what he can do. And so Philip's like, uh, not enough money would even give them a, a crumb, basically is what he's saying. Verse 8 says this, says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, oh, what a great story. There's a boy here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but there, but there are, but what are we, for we are so many. He says, he, Jesus, there's this kid that's got a little bit. I mean, it's not going to go very far. It's not going to go very far. I want you to think about the boy for just a second, because oftentimes we, he gets kind of passed over here, and we need to look at this. This is amazing. Okay? Now, when the Bible tells you five barley loaves and two small fish, I want you to know this. The barley loaves were more about the size of a biscuit. It wasn't like a loaf of bread. Okay? Some people think, oh, a loaf of bread? A kid's got... How's he even carrying five loaves of bread? It was more like a biscuit. Okay? Small. And I didn't know this until I did research. The barley loaves were considered for poor people. They were what poor people ate. It wasn't the best of the best of that. It was what poor people ate. It was what, that's all they got. And so not only was his loaf small, but it was for a poor person and his fish equally small. Equally small. I don't know about you, but if you've ever gone fishing, isn't there a certain size that just goes back in? Am I right? Because it's kind of a waste of time. Like if you looked at it to try to clean it, you'd be like, mm, no, there's nothing there. And so he had five, changed it from, from the barley loaves to, they were really biscuits and they would be small, maybe about the size of a baseball or smaller, okay? And they were given, those people that were poor had them. Hear me on this. He willingly... It, it didn't say, oh, you can't take all of it. He just said, here's my stuff. I don't know what you can do with it, but I've got five pieces of bread and I've got a couple of fish, Jesus. You can have it. Now, let me help you out here. If you're a poor person and this is it, is this something you really want to give up? No. Is this something you really want to give up that... Here is all I have. Here's all I've got. Okay. Jesus, can you do something with this? He gave up food and he may not eat. He may not eat. He may not get to eat. He just said, can you do something with this? Can you meet a need? And I love this because what you see this, this boy and we don't know the age of the boy, but we know it's a boy who says, here, God, can you do something with this? And he was about meeting needs. <laughs> Have you ever been around a child and they're like, I don't know how to solve all this, but I'll at least give you this. 
I'll, I don't know if this will make it better, but I'll, here's this. Uh, I was working out in the garage and mowing the grass and doing, and it was hot yesterday and humidity was, and my daughter comes out and she's got a big glass of ice water and I already had one and I had another. And she says, well, dad, will this help? I'm like, absolutely, it will help. Absolutely. Didn't solve it all, but it certainly helped. And so here is a young boy saying, I'm poor. I'm going to give you all I have. He didn't say, how about you take two and I'll keep three and I'll keep one fish. He just said, all I have, here you go. Here you go. And I love this because you see that, that he was willing, his heart was leaning towards, let me meet some needs. Let me, let me be, let me be a part of this in some way. I love what Ben said. Typically when you give, you're more invested. You want to see the kingdom of God grow. You want to see God honored. You want to see cool things happening because of the kingdom of God. And I love this as God is always willing to use what we willingly give him. You know, what we willingly give him. I mean, opportunities say, God, this is yours. And that little boy, what faith it took for him to go, I don't know what you can do with my part. And I may not get to eat. I don't know what's going to happen. He gave the food without any prerequisites, didn't he? He just said, here you go. I mean, most of us in this room logic would kick in and we'd go, why don't you keep a piece or two? That doesn't make any sense. You don't have anything if you give it all. You may not get, with this group this big, you may get zero. Right now, you got something. Logic would kick in and they would say, well, and that's why when it talks about giving and what we struggle with is, it's like, well, God, I don't know. If I give this, what am I going to do? Let me just help you out. There is something to giving and seeing God do out of faith. I'm not talking about when you give to God and you honor God, God's not necessarily give you back, but He's going to meet your needs. He did say that. And I love what happens here because verse 10, look at what it says. It says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when He had given thanks, He distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. So Jesus takes a boy's biscuits and a couple of fish. Now I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever been to a fish fry? Have any of you eaten just two pieces of fish? No. I mean, when you go to a fish fry, you put on the feed bag. And, and if, if you do the fish fry right, uh, you do these things called hush puppies. Can I get an amen? Man, hush puppies are the bomb. They're legit. Some of you don't know what that is, but oh man, hush puppies and fried fish just go together because everything's fried. I wouldn't do it very often though. I will say that. But Jesus tells them to sit down and blesses it and it gave them all that they wanted. And when they had eaten, love this, when they had eaten their fill, that means the boy that means everybody there was like, whoa, Nelly, I'm full. Oh, I couldn't put another bite down. I am full. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go, well, you get one fish and you get a piece of bread. Jesus took this boy's stuff 
and made so much out of it that everybody was full. Not just kind of, I mean, they were full. I love that. It says, and they had their fill. He told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments um, and that nothing be lost. So they gathered him up and filled, look at what it says, 12 baskets with fragments from the five barleys left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, indeed, this prophet has come into the world. I love, I, I was thinking about what could I give you if you're taking notes is this. Jesus loves to go above and beyond. Jesus loves to go above and beyond. When we give out of a, a when we give out of a, out of, out of our discomfort, it's like, man, God, I, if this is, this is, this is going to make things tight. I'm going to honor you though. I, I, I know it, 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 it works. God loves to go beyond and he's always asking you that your part matters. Can, can you imagine that boy going, I don't know what you could do with this, Jesus. I, I'm looking at this mass of people. Even in this room, if we said we don't have enough to feed all of you and a little boy comes up and says, here's five bread, pieces of bread, Danny, and two pieces of fish. Most of you in this room would be going, I ain't eating. There's not going to be enough. There's, not, there's no way there's going to be enough. There's no way that everybody's going to get their fill. They're not. And Jesus loves to say, I'll take your stuff and put it with everybody else's stuff and we'll do some beautiful stuff. But your part matters. And that boy looked at his stuff and said, I don't know what you can do with it, God, but... And Jesus said, your stuff matters. And giving always, always says, God, it's yours anyway. I'm going to honor you with it here. J.D. Greer, who's a pastor, said this, and it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard question. He said, where would you be if Jesus chose to steward his resources as you are stewarding yours? Let me read that again. Where would you be if Jesus chose to steward his resources as you are stewarding yours? Chew on that for just a second. See, when you, when you were given this stuff that you have, and it's funny because we spend far too much time looking at what everybody else has instead of what God has given us. Where would you be if Jesus chose to steward his resources as you are stewarding yours? And I'm not... All of us have stuff we like, tools, golf clubs, clothing, shoes, technology, you know, your house, cars, uh, all those, and none of those things are bad, is they can't be supreme. They can't be supreme. They can't be the most important thing in your life. They can't be the most important thing in your life. And I, I, I thought about these two things as we're closing, thinking about the boy Instead of complaining about what we do not have, we should give thanks to God for what we do have. When was the last time you just stopped and just said, God, thank you. Thank you for the house I live in. God, thank you for the car. Thank you for the job. Thank you for my retirement. Thank you for my paycheck. Thank you for my family. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. I have a roof for my children. Thank you, God, that I have... 
I've got a degree or I've got a job that I can go to and, and, and make ends meet. Because perspective is always a powerful thing. Isn't it true that you don't have to go very far to see people that are perfectly homeless? They have nothing. You don't have to go very far. They're, they're here in Derby. If you go into Wichita, um, it's a sobering thing to see somebody sleeping under, under one of the bridges. And you can say, well, they just, they just messed up their life. Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. There have been lots of stories. The point being is that sometimes you need to see that to go, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I'm, I've, I've been, God's given, I'm in, a, I'm in a season where God is, I, I want to honor God. And so when you think about, well, Danny, my little part doesn't really matter. See, you need to think kingdom-minded and say, my part in collection with everybody else has some amazing potential. But more importantly, if God is saying, do your part, be a part. Be a part of this. And think about that little boy that said, I don't know if, if I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to give. I'm going to give. The last thing I thought about as I was kind of getting ready for this is we must rightly see what we give isn't as, that it's not insignificant or that it's too significant. Because I think some people go, well, my part doesn't matter. And some other people go, well, my part, man, that church would shut down if I didn't stop giving. I've actually had people tell me that, by the way. I've actually had people say, if I stop giving, you'll probably shut your doors, which is arrogance. And it, it all, you know what that also screams? This is my money. It's not God's money. I had a guy tell me that years ago. If I leave, if you don't do what I want, this church will shut its doors. And I thought, mm, then you don't know the God that I know. So, don't think of what you give as too insignificant, but also don't think too highly of it as, well, man, they're not going to make it if I don't. Because that says, it's my money, and it, it tends to lean us towards self-righteousness and arrogance instead of saying, if I can give a lot, then you should be thankful you can. You should be thankful you can. And I love this. Placed in the Father's hands is where you will see two things. You'll see your faith grow in Him and your love for Him grow. When it's placed in His hands, you see faith and say, God, I'm going to honor you. And you may not give me more, but at the end of the day, it's yours anyway. I don't get to take it with me. I have done lots of funerals, and I've never, ever seen anybody buried with their stuff. I've never seen it. I don't know if you have, but I have done a bunch of funerals, and I've never seen anybody's stuff in the hole with them. I've never seen a U-Haul. It, it typically gets... Um, if you want to know what it's like sober-wise, is just go to an estate sale. Just go to an estate sale. There'll be one this Thursday or Friday. All There's some in Derby. They're in Wichita. They're in Mulvane, Rose Hill, Hayesville, all over. And watch people who have acquired stuff their entire life, watch it be picked over like, you know, and it's like this was your acquisition of things and none of them were bad things. I've been to a lot of estate sales and I see stuff and I think, well, obviously that's what they collected. There's 800 penguins. <laughs> Have you, how many of you have been to one of those? Okay, yeah. 
I've been to a couple of them. I'm thinking, okay, you really, really like precious moments. Um, I went to one a few weeks ago. They had about, I don't know, I don't know how many beer steins. I'm thinking there's no way you don't drink that much. But second off, I'm thinking, and it took up their entire stuff. But folks, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There isn't. Because I got my stuff too. I like my tools. Um, I, I like building things and I acquire wood and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But someday my, when I take my last breath, people are going to be picking over my stuff too. They will. And you have to think about what was I going to be about with the stuff that God's entrusted to me? What was I going to be about what is it's his anyway? Am I really going to beat? Am I going to when I'm all when it's all said and done? Am I going to is are people going to know? Man, man, he was stingy. Man, he was stingy. He wouldn't open up his wallet for his own child. You know, man, they could not keep their money in the bank. It burned a hole in there. That whatever it was, what are you going to be known for? Are you going to be known as somebody said God? They honored God with what they had. They honored God, and like that little boy, they said, God, I don't know what you can do with this, but here you go. Folks, God's always going to ask you to give and honor him with it. You, that's, you're not going to get away from that. You're not going to get away from, well, I'll just go. If a church, churches are founded on that, folks, if the people, part of who we are is saying, this is yours, God, and I'm going to honor you with it, and I'm going to trust that it'll be stewarded well. And that's part of my job as pastor. And so I challenge you, like that little boy, to say, God, here's my stuff. And it may be insignificant. It may be significant. That's really not the issue. But I'm going to honor you by saying, here, God, it's yours. Let's pray. God, I know in a room I, I can probably get a few eye rolls that, oh, here we go talking about money. But I also know that money tends to trip us up about as much as anything in our lives. Either it's the acquisition of it, it's what it can buy us, it's the comfort it can give us. Uh, Whatever it is, it tends to have money attached to it too often. And I pray, God, that we would be more like this little boy, that we would look at what we have and say, God, it's yours. It was yours from the beginning, and I want to honor you with it by saying, here, God. God, I ask for, for, for forgiveness in my own life where I've spent far too much time wanting something else or trying to add this one more piece to my life. Thinking somehow this will complete me, this will finish it off, and it tends to be that there's always something. And I pray for some in this room, they need financial freedom. And the first thing they need to do is acknowledge it. Maybe they sit up way too many nights worrying about their, their retirement or about if I had a few more dollars, I could be this or do that. But God, there's going to be a point for all of us that we have to say, God, it's yours. It's never been mine. And are we prepared to say, God, help me to shepherd or steward what you've entrusted to me, God. And I just ask that we would have a humble awareness, God, that what, is, what we have is from you and it can go away as quickly as we got it. And I ask God that for some in this room that they need financial freedom. They may have the courage to take our FPU class. There may be some in this room that tithing has been optional. Tithing has been when they have excess. Tithing has been um, in different seasons of their life. 
But I've learned from tithing personally that it's about faith and love. And I ask God that we would grow in those two things and that we see our, our part, regardless of the size, that it matters to you and that we would rest in that. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand. Um, obviously, we talked about a whole lot about money.